0: Okay, so um, for those of you who are new this morning, my name is Matt, Uh, I'm the senior pastor here and uh, it's just uh, great to continue this series that we're doing this week called, uh, this month called The Way of the Peacemaker, where we're exploring what it means to be people of peace and this morning I want to talk to you about how do you become a person who is in the business of restoring, not wrecking relationships. Because ultimately, none of us want to be the kind of people where we wreck things. But actually, if we're not careful, that's exactly what we can do. How, how can we be restorers of relationship, not wreckers of relationship? Now, if that sounds a little bit heavy, then pause. Don't worry. Let me bring you some good news, first of all. Does anyone want some good news? Okay, here's the good news. Check this out. 136 days till Christmas. Come on now. Come What? That is, I just I thought you'd all be pleased. 136 days until, like, we celebrate the birthday of Jesus Christ, who saved us. Although as Christians, we celebrate that every day. And and in an Old Testament book, a prophet, a guy called Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, in Isaiah chapter nine verse six, Isaiah talks about the kind of thing that Jesus is going to do, and therefore the names that he's going to be called because of his actions. Uh, these famous verses that you can see that he's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of peace. the Prince of Peace. God is the ultimate and the original peacemaker. Like, like it's not just that God activates and brings peace. Like the very nature of God is that He is peace. God is peace. And right at the very beginning of the story, the true story of what's going on in the world, in in the opening book, which is the book of Genesis, and in the opening two chapters, we are told that God lovingly and intentionally creates a beautiful and magnificent creation. And right at the very beginning, in those first two chapters, like everything is perfect, everything is peaceful, everything is in harmony. Like we are in peace with God. We are at peace with each other, we're at peace with ourselves, and we're at peace with God's creation. It's sweet. No wonder God literally steps back and he says that it is very good. And then the story in chapter 3 goes wrong because what happens is that we start to doubt that God is good. And because if you doubt that God is good, you'll disobey him and that brings destruction and that peace is shattered. We have rejected God as our life giver and we've refused to live the way of peace, the way of Jesus, the way he's commanded us to live. And and like we just look around us, look in the news, even in these last few weeks, we see what happens when people reject the life giver and refuse to live his way of peace. Human pride and self-centeredness has resulted in wars, and violence, and murder, and famine, and poverty, and, and just the list goes on. You guys know it. The human trafficking, all of these terrible things. Conflict is everywhere. And we know that ultimately conflict is not just out there, but actually it's, it's in here. It's in our own world. Like conflict that we face with our families, with our friends, with our neighbours, with our work colleagues. And so as we think about this, all of this challenge of conflict in the world around us and in our personal world, that the question that every day poses to us is, will you be a peacemaker or a troublemaker? Will you be someone who makes it worse or will you be someone who makes it better? Because, because it is inevitable that we will all face conflict. Because it's inevitable and it will be even true within this room that there will be people that we disagree with and there are people who are different to us. There are people from different cultures, different backgrounds, different social classes, different genders, different sexualities. We are so different in so many ways and if we're not careful, those, those differences in this broken world can result in prejudice rather than peace. And and I would dare to suggest, and don't be offended by this, but I would dare to suggest that everyone in this room, to one degree or other, has a prejudice. I've, I've never met anyone who is perfectly free of prejudice, even if it's against like someone they work with or, or someone, some status in society or what have you. There's a lot going on in the world. And actually, I would say that if you look now, I, I think like, you know, I'm, I'm nearly 50 years old. I would say there's more prejudice, there's more racism, there's more intolerance and, uh, and more anger and violence in the world than probably I can ever remember. And we are called to live differently differently. Are we people who pour petrol to hurt people or do we pour on peace to bring healing? Because that is the daily choice that you and I face. Through our words and our actions and even our thoughts, we have choices to make about whether we make things better or we make things bitter. And the mission of God revealed both in creation but through the life of Jesus is the restoration of the whole of creation. What God is committed to do is to bring peace to a world that is wrestling with violence and conflict. That's what God is all about. And if you're here as a follower of Jesus, if you have made Jesus your Savior and Lord, the boss of your life, if you're trying to become more like Him, then that means you have to embrace his mission too. That you are called to be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. And so we're exploring in this season, well, what does that mean? Now, Paul reminded us last week that when we talk about peace, making peace, we're talking about the holistic repair of relationships, the wholeness, seeing wholeness restored to relationship. And again, taking uh, a note from this book, Mending the Divide, of which we're exploring as part of this uh, series, that peacemaking is moving towards conflict with tools that heal and transform. Moving towards conflict. And so last week, if you missed it, uh, check it out online, Paul gave a brilliant message about the first step of being a peacemaker, which is to see, to slow down, To let go of your prejudice, take off your wrong glasses, and start to see people as God sees them. Not to dehumanize them, not to attack them, not to uh, uh, dehumanize them or demonize them, but, but to see them as God sees them, that they are made in the image of God, that they are loved by God, and therefore they're worthy of dignity and honor and respect, even if you disagree with them. That actually, whoever we come across in our world, our first response is that we see people first, not problems first. That we see people, not problems first. And so I want to talk about, just for a few minutes, the second action that a peacemaker takes. First they see, and the next thing they do is what we're going to call immerse. That, just as we heard, they step into the conflict... For the purposes of understanding and healing, not for the purposes of winning. The goal is not to win an argument. The goal is to win the relationship. And that's our challenge, isn't it? When, when we face conflict with people, what do you want to do? Do you want to win an argument or do you want to win the relationship? Because sometimes you can't do both. What's the most important thing? So I mentioned that Isaiah in 9, six talks about the coming mission of Jesus. In, in Isaiah 7.14, uh, a few chapters earlier, Paul talks, um, Isaiah talks about that Jesus is going to be born to a virgin. And that one of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus is God made flesh, God with us. It's what clever scholars call the mystery of the incarnation. How the huge, impossible-to-get-your-head-around God, the magnificent, massive God, becomes a human being. That in Jesus we find God and man. Fully God, fully man. The mystery of the incarnation that God immersed himself in the world. He didn't just see. He didn't just look back from heaven and saw the struggle and the pain, the conflict and the violence of this world. But he came. He entered into conflict in order to see peace come. And the interesting thing when you look at the ministry of Jesus is that Jesus spent 30 years immersing himself in the conflict before he did anything. He took time to understand the culture, the background, the problems, the issues, the conflict, the struggles of the people that he wanted to bring peace to. He didn't just rock up and just say, I've got the answer. He took time, even though he was God, to understand and to listen. And if he does that, then how much more should we learn to do that? There was a best-selling leadership book, uh, a couple of decades ago called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, written by a guy called uh, Steve Covey. And uh, one of the things that he talks about, one of the uh, highly effective habits is this. To seek first to understand before being understood. To seek first to understand before being understood. Often we want to do it the other way around. We want to be understood before we take to understand the other point of view. But remember what I said, the goal of peacemaking is to win the relationship, not necessarily win the argument. Now, when we do this peacemaking thing, and when we immerse ourselves, and when we take time to listen and understand, like we're not perfect like Jesus was. So there are, there are two things for us that we need to do that Jesus didn't need to do. Although he did this. Because he's our role model. And the first is as we come to make peace, we come firstly in humility. We embrace the attitude of humility. So when we come to make peace with our spouse or with our kids or with our work colleagues or whoever is riling you at the moment, our first response is we come in humility. The humility to say, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Maybe I've read this wrong. Maybe I have seen this wrong. The humility to make sure that we're not looking down on people, that we're not entering into conflict as the heroes to try to save the day, but we're entering into conflict as learners. People who are humbly seeking to learn, which brings me to the next attitude of a peacemaker, which is curiosity, that that actually... You know what someone says, if you're speaking, you're not learning, so better to shut up and then you might start learning. And and so as peacemakers, our commitment is to curiosity, that we want to listen, we want to understand, we're intrigued. When someone disagrees with us, when someone sees something different to us, rather than us thinking, well, we are obviously right and they're obviously wrong, that we would take time to embrace the attitude of curiosity to understand things from their perspective genuinely understanding. Paul last week reminded us, we looked at Luke chapter 10, one of the most famous stories that Jesus talks about, the story of the Good Samaritan, a a story, a parable that Jesus tells with a meaning. A a Jewish man, he tells us, is badly beaten up on the road between Jericho and Jerusalem. He's left for dead, he's robbed, he's half naked and the usual suspects who are expected to help him actually walk by. A priest and a Levite see him, but they take a wide berth and walk by. And then Jesus shocks everyone and says that it's a Samaritan who's like the arch enemies, the nemesis, the hated ones of the Jewish people. The Samaritan is the one who stops to help. The Samaritan, as Paul reminds us last week, is the one who sees. And what we see in Luke chapter 10 is, the, is a four things in verse 33 that the, the good Samaritan does in this act of immersing themselves, stepping into the, to the conflict, things that are good for us to do as well, not walking away. And, and the first that we see is uh, the first thing is we're told that he comes near. The religious elite moved away, they didn't want to to be involved. They didn't want their lives to be messed up. They knew that it might be costly. They didn't know how it was going to affect their day. What would other people think? But, but the good Samaritan chooses to come near, to step into the conflict. It's so easy, isn't it, to embrace fight or flight. Fight when we go in like this with our words or flight when we run away. But peacemakers choose to enter into the conflict to come near and that's what He does. And when he does that, the second thing happens is we're told that he then saw him. And what Jesus is saying, now that he's close, he really sees him. He really sees what's going on. He really sees the brokenness of this man. It's, it's like maybe his Samaritan shades have fallen off. And for the first time, he really sees not an enemy of his own people, but a human being who is in great trouble. Which brings us then to the reaction that happens next, which will always be the third thing if you really take time to see people with the eyes of God, is that we're told that he is moved with pity. That actually, as he sees his enemy and the struggle and the battle and the wound that his enemy is going through, he feels moved with great Pity, and this is not like pity. As in, like, ah, oh, well, this is not sympathy. This is empathy. This is this is that sense of feeling gutted for someone. You see, we have to remember that when, when people, when we think people respond badly, say things badly, when we feel the atmosphere, the culture that they carry is wrong, I'm not condoning it. I'm not saying it's right. But everyone has a story. Everyone carries wounds. Everyone carries scars. We are all, everyone in this room, we're the product of our history. We're the product of our good mistakes and bad mistakes. And, and we've been massively shaped by the world around us and the people around us. Everyone has a story. It doesn't excuse it in terms of maybe people's bad behavior, but it helps us understand it. And as we understand it, as, then hopefully we would have this same feeling of being moved with compassion for people. And then he does the fourth step, which is then it says he, he went to him. Because by this point now, he said, okay, my mission is not to to, to just basically berate this guy and finish the job off. My mission is to, to care for him, to tend to him, to meet his needs first. And so we see these first things. That, it, that those who embrace peacemaking, number one, they come near to conflict recognizing the risks involved. Number two, they see what is truly happening. They seek to listen and understand the other perspective. They have a heart that is soft, thirdly, to be moved with compassion. So they don't see this person as an enemy, but as someone who is broken and wounded, like we're all broken and wounded. And out of that, they make a choice to help and heal and not hurt and harm. So I want to ask you, like, what does that look like for you, in your family, in your friendships, in your colleagues, even to strangers? You know, As I, as I finish, you know, there are three things that I think stop us from doing this. Number one, busyness. Like sometimes we just think, like, I'm just too busy. I don't have the time to just kind of immerse myself in this conflict to, to, to see it healed. For a lot of us, we're worried about our reputation. Jesus was called the friend of sinners because he hung out with all of the wrong people and he wore that title as a badge of honor because he is the friend of sinners. Always coming to win relationship. Like Some of us have prejudices and the best thing for us to do is to spend more time with those people that we have prejudices against to get to know them and learn to love them. Then we may have something to say. And sometimes it's just fear. We're just afraid. What will happen? And what's the cost to us? Because in the Good Samaritan story, there was a cost. There was a cost. There is a cost to be a peacemaker. In their book, Mending the Divide, the authors say this, Immersion invites us to slow down and pursue relationship rather than a quick fix. It's there that we are reminded of our shared beauty and brokenness. We're all created in the image of God as equals. And we've all been found by God who immersed into our broken story in Jesus. When we immerse, we create space. Just like Paul was saying earlier. We create space for the spirit to work in places of brokenness within ourselves and within others. I want to pause for a second just as the worship team kind of come back. Like, what's God saying to you today? Like, who are the people that today you think I need to see them differently, but actually, I need to take time to be with them, to come near, to listen? And and not that half-hearted listening where you're just like, yeah, yeah, I'm listening and then I'm going to say what I need to say. That true active listening, that listening from the heart, heart to heart, deep to deep. That listening that comes with humility and curiosity that says, I want to know you. And I want to be someone who builds you up, not blows you up. I want to be a peacemaker. Let me pray. And so, Lord Jesus, we, we invite you. You are the Prince of Peace. And Lord, probably all of us have got people that even as we've thought about our relationships this morning, people who, that we are not in good relationship with. Change our hearts. Lord, we pray, that we pray you change them and maybe that's a good, worthy prayer. But Lord, we know you're more committed to change us. Start with us. Help us, God. Have mercy on us, God. Help us to be people who bring peace into a world of conflict. Start in our relationships. In and through us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.